Frank Wycheck passing away at the age of 52 over the weekend. A statement from the family in the piece, quote, at this time, it appears Frank Wycheck fell inside his Chattanooga, Tennessee home and hit his head on Saturday morning. He was found unresponsive that afternoon. Wycheck moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee this past summer to be closer to his family. He leaves behind two adult daughters, Deanna and Madison, both married, and three grandchildren, Leo, Stevie, and August. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so and welcome happy in, everybody. How are you on this 13th of I'm December? So Another totally half ass open. I think I am going to start I'm using this song so into the new year, though. Since you left me, I, I could die. Because I'm so happy. Just kill me kill now. Kill me now. Her name is Skylar. Guda says, it's a very oddly spelled last name, G-U-D-A-S-Z, something like that, and I'll explain further on down the road where I know her from and why I like the song and why I want to use it more into the future. For now, I'll just get the show going here as I have uh, having to fix my levels here. Sorry about that. Um, so, I lied to you that the final show of the year of that you're used to hearing was at the end of November because, um, first of all, this is Stone on Air, the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian. There we go. Nice to meet you. How you doing? Um, because putting together a repackaged version of a, of a past show is actually a lot more work than just sitting down and doing a new show. It's not, uh, it doesn't use as much brain power, but it is more time and more effort. I could take a gummy and get stoned out of my head and then sit here and edit all all day and make a, a new segment without a problem. Can't do that and deliver what I believe is a is an acceptable product uh, as a new show. So it was easier for me just to do this. So what I've done today is uh, I've just kind of, I've gone through my, my backpack I carry around everywhere, all my stuff I carry around and leave here stacked at the house. And I just went through it all and um, just... Just kind of clearing out the queue, I guess, if you will. So that'll be the final segment of the show, and this will all kind of spill into each other one way or another. In the middle segment, I'm going to uh, the latest on the Fraser Avenue changes over the weekends here in December for the holidays, the changing in the in the traffic patterns, and uh, the guy John John, who you've heard from here recently, a little bit more audio from him. Try not to bore you too much with that, but uh, he is more gracious than I gave him credit for early on, but still not happy with that. So the latest in the second segment of the show, and I'll try to make that brief. And then also the top Chattanooga news stories of 2023, somewhere in the second and third segment, I will do a stretch of that on the front end. That was Nashville radio talking about the now late Frank Wycheck. I'll have more commentary on that in the third segment of the show and a little bit of commentary on the Titans' improbable win on Monday night, two days ago, here in just a matter of a few minutes. I have like five pieces of audio on the open here to get to. So it's a typical show-ish, but also not exactly. So let's get things rolling. Coming up next week, this will be for real the final one of 2024, as it'll probably be January 10th before the show returns in a regular Wednesday midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga. I'll take about two weeks off after next week. My guest will be, as long as everything works out, I'm going to assume that it will because I got no real reason to think that it won't. 
Uh, Lee Brock, I don't know what they call themselves. He works with his mother now, Linda Brock. He's worked um, with uh, her husband, Dexter White, Dexter White Construction, Linda Brock Homes, Brock Family Homes, Brock and Brock, Brock and Friends, Brock and Bros. I don't know exactly what they call themselves, but it's realty and development in the city and has been for, you know, 30 plus years. And Lee is going to join me for a at least two-thirds of the show next week. I will get to that what is now a three-week tease or maybe a month-long tease. I'll get to the uh, the making fun of realtors that I wanted to. We'll have fun with that for a minute. We will talk uh, regional development. We'll talk city codes. We'll talk real estate. We'll talk affordable housing. Um, <clears throat> also, a brand-new bar concept coming to downtown Chattanooga that he is an investor with. So lots to get to. I got zero reason to believe it'll be anything other than uh, interesting, and it's something I want to do a lot more of in the new year. So it's kind of um, uh, a pilot of sorts, a little bit, kind of, kind of uh, testing the waters on that. We're going to be recording that here in the next few days, so look for that. The final show of the year, which will be, let me do, because my math isn't good in my head. Oh, yeah, well, that's easy, 13th to the 20th, so on Wednesday, December 20th, the final time you'll hear the show this year. And I just apologize. My levels are bouncing all over the place. I still have not gotten this studio together right. It's it's ready. It's it's sitting here in the corner, ready to be pieced back together. So I, I apologize about the the vol- when I say levels, I mean the volume is kind of bouncing around. And I'm just I'm ready to get this thing done. Right. I don't have time to stop and, and troubleshoot all this. So I think everything's gonna be fine. So let's just start with the list here leading up to the audio that I'll get to in the next uh, I don't know, seven or eight minutes from right now. So the city announced, more specifically through the Parks and Rec Division, the New Year's Eve uh, party downtown. I don't, I, I don't, I just wrote new NYE with S L A H on my list here. I don't have anything in front of me as far as spe- specifics. I don't know what they're calling it exactly, but it's a New Year's Eve party in downtown Chattanooga with a band I've never heard of. Uh, something male, something's got to be some kind of like party band, and strung like a horse. I believe just right downtown, outside in front of. The aquarium, if I remember that right. Regardless of where it's at, it's free. It's strung like a horse. It's in downtown Chattanooga. And it's to ring in the new year in a super simple, fun kind of way. So if you're looking for something to do, that is certainly an option for you. Chattanooga gas prices, holy wow. Uh, Once again, no idea why, but they are plummeting. Here in East Ridge, I stopped by the Food City today, and their marquee said $2.49. And since I get $0.15 cents off a gallon uh, with because of my fuel perks, you know, that's some damn cheap gas. I, I hate that we're to a point, or that I'm to a point, where two fifty just sounds like an absolute dream. But, you know, as they say, here we are. And since gas has been... An issue, well, for all of modern time, but in the last 10 years or so, or really going back to 08 when it just monster jumped up to over $4 a gallon, as long as gas is in the neighborhood of 2 to two fifty, you know, I'm going to be living a pretty good life. Once it gets considerably higher than that, it really starts to take a real bite. Uh, and you know, after driving a absolute gas sipping economy uh, efficient kind of car for so long I still drive a pretty efficient vehicle these days but not really actually huge tank and it it drinks gas a hell of a lot more than the old car did so uh, you know that's my own problem to deal with at a later date but for now 
gas looks quite good. Have you seen this on Facebook? It is driving me crazy. I know you have. I'm not a big Facebook hater anymore. I actually think we've kind of come all the way around in a full circle kind of way to where Facebook is actually one of the more pleasing social medias that I look at these days. And that's because I've customized it to be kind of what I want it to be, which is what you can do with all social media. That's another reason I always wonder when people, and I used to do it too, get all bent out of shape about people and things on social. You know, you can just make that go away. You don't have to see that stuff. But the now, it's been going on a little while, the at followers notifications. I mean, I'm all about, and I've said this out loud many times, if you send me a request to like your business or your company or your event, if I see it, I will usually go ahead and do that because I want people to do it to mine. And I've sent out the the notifications for invitations to like my Stone on Air Facebook page. If you haven't liked it yet, please do. And so I want people to like mine. So I feel like if I, you know, it's kind of one of those, I don't know, karma things. And so I'm all about, I'm fine with the invitations things, but now I'm getting just constant at followers notifications. And I'm not going to like pages and people's organizations and their events if you're going to continuously send me to all followers, at followers. If you do this occasionally or if somebody does this for something that's truly like, wow, look at this, well, that's one thing. Now, obviously, that just depends on who you ask as to whether that equals something that warrants something to that degree. And that's just whatever. But it's driving me nuts because I value a lot of the information and communication that I have on Facebook. And I've worked really hard over the years to make it a place where I get valuable information. And when I'm continuously getting notifications about crap about that, that's not important. It makes me much less likely to like other people's pages and like businesses and, and get rid of the ones that are on there. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, have you noticed this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? All Jay Leno style. It's annoying. (laughs) That's my main point. When I was growing up, and it might go back to Wayne's world, probably does, but I was a big hockey fan as a kid, and I still like hockey, but I loved rollerblading, and we would play street hockey all the time, and, uh, you know, game on, game on, game car, game on, you know, that kind of stuff, and I always wanted to play it competitively, and who knew there's an inline Chattanooga hockey league in town. If if you knew, you knew more than I did because I didn't know this till the other day. And damn it, if it doesn't look really cool. I knew they had the little rink down by the skate park by the First Horizon Pavilion at Finley Stadium, that complex. I knew that was there, and I knew they probably used it for something, and I figured it was probably youth. And I'm sure they do that, but they have an adult league. Now, I'm far too old for that now, and I would immediately need to go to the hospital if I try to engage in even low-impact hockey of any kind. Even if it was just on foot, I would need hospitalization before the afternoon or evening was over. So that's a foolish thing to think about now. But C-H-A-H-K-Y is how it's abbreviated. And, uh, you know, I was just one of those who knew. I, I, I didn't. And that's really cool. Uh, speaking of things that are pretty cool that I don't necessarily need or 
I guess it's not really speaking of anything. <laughs> Park and Bark co-working membership at Barking Legs Theater. They are now offering their space as a workspace for $50 a month, which sounds pretty good to me, or $120 a month for organizations. You can use their facilities from 10 to 3, Monday through Thursday. You get free Wi-Fi and basic printing. Uh, discounted tickets to their shows and different programming, dollar off concessions, 30% off at Sleepyheads, uh, the coffee shop, the new place right down the road. And um, you can use their stage for rehearsals and workshopping and that kind of stuff. And if I didn't already have a pretty good workspace scenario, uh, I would very much keep this as a possibility for 50 bucks a month if you need a place basically just to basic print, which I really do need, and I currently have it's not something that i need but it might be for you so park and bark co-working memberships at barking lake if you need it and i guess i'll go ahead our pickpocket mayor see <laughs> War uh, mark warren i was gonna read all this i'm not gonna read the whole thing um it's about the county mayor weston note to self when you shake hands with our county mayor Lead with your left hand so you can keep your right hand on your billfold. And it goes on to talk about how he's not happy with the way this went down at Howard School and the uh, dedication of the field or something. I didn't really understand what it was. That's why I'm not going to read the whole thing because um, I didn't follow that story very closely. But I always love C. Mark Warren. Uh, he does the op-eds into <clears throat> local attorney does the op-eds to Chattanooga.com, and he loves hating on him some Weston Wop. And if you're new to the show for whatever reason today, I love to do that too. And that just about does it. So we'll go to the final one here on the open, uh, and then we'll get to this audio. City gets $500,000 grant for study of Amtrak service connecting Atlanta, Chattanooga, and Nashville. And I'll just read the headline and that's it. And this has been on the, the headlines a little bit in the last uh, three weeks or so. And it's been talked about since I was a kid. And I would love it. I think it would be the best thing that could happen to our area to have some kind of train service that would be similar to what they have in D.C. that goes up the uh, the seaboard to, to you know New England and New York and all that. I, it would look different. It would feel different. It would be for a little bit different purpose. But, you know, because this has been discussed for so long, I don't see it being reality. And by the time that it were to be something that would be reality, could it happen in my lifetime? Absolutely. But by the time it would be a thing, it would be past my years of where it'd be something that I would use. But it's worth bringing up because it it it's more talk about transit. That is such a hot topic in social media world, especially around here with Fraser Avenue and all that, which I'll get again more into here in a few. Uh, it's the same concept, though. Do people want to park and ride? In this scenario, I think the answer could be possibly and very likely maybe yes. But we are a country that loves their cars. And so anytime you talk about drastically changing transit in any area of the country, the, the thought, the concept, the understanding that people love their cars is always going to stand in the way of that. And it made me think, I was like, oh, singles, 
the Cameron Crowe movie that um, I am have been in love with since a kid because it featured all my favorite bands at the time, released, I believe, in 1992, about 20-somethings in Seattle. Well, one of the main characters is working on a train for transit in Seattle, and he's asking his, well, the girl he wants to be his girlfriend about it. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you think about traffic ever? Well, because I, I do. Constantly. Traffic. Traffic is caused by the single car driver. 900,000 single people get in their cars every morning. They drive to work and they, and they wonder why there's gridlock, right? But this is what I've been working on. If you had a train, right, a super train, you, you give the people a good reason to get out of their cars. You give them great coffee, great music. They will park and ride. I know they will. I still love my car, though. Yeah, and and I, maybe that's where I get that that line of people love their cars. And actually, I know I get the line from the next one. And when he's talking about a train in this film, it's about uh, a, a more local commute. He sits down with the mayor to try to pitch his idea. So ultimately, we're talking about 900,000 to a million people by the time it's done bulk of which are single car drivers who provide them with an environment that's safer and better than their cars. Why can't it work, Mr. Mayor? So it's a train. A super train. You know, I've been burned by this train business before. You people all seem to forget. We can change the city. People love their cars. Yes. But, uh, but if, if you give them great, if you give them great uh, coffee, uh, if, and great music. If you, I'll put it to you like this, and then I'll thank you for your time. My answer is no. And so I guess that is where I get the people love their cars line. But it's very true, and, and it it cross uh, pollinates into the bike lanes and shrinking of roads and making more pedestrian, bike friendly, and alternative alternative modes of transportation more possible when most people, especially of certain ages and above, don't want that. So more on that here in a minute. Three more pieces to get to quickly here. This is the best thing ever. Give me 90 seconds. That's a little longer than I usually want to use here. Call into today's best thing ever. Miami Dolphins, what the fuck happened? I want to know. 20 to 13, 528 on the clock. This game is over. Look at these boneheads in the end zone. What the fuck happened, Dolphins? <laughs> this is an all-time sell job. People went to bed after this touchdown. Gonna make it 27 to 13, 434 on the clock. Look at the Dolphins, clowning, absolutely clowning the Titans. They're doing tricks on it in the end zone, doing splits on Will Levis's head. 14 point favorites on a Monday night. What the hell is going on in Miami? But what if I told you with 308 on the clock, down 14, Will Levis would just chip away. Just a casual garbage time touchdown. Will Levis scrambles out, should mean nothing. The game is still over. They go for two, they get it. Levis has a dog in him. And suddenly, we're third and six. Tua steps back, he's gonna get drugged down. What the hell is going on? Levis gets the ball back. I wanna know what it looks like in Miami fans' living rooms. Because what? the hell happened and king henry brings it home for the titans dolphins dolphins 14 point favorites just absolute 
shambles. Oh, it's so much fun. I uh, love being on national TV. It doesn't happen very often for Titans fans. And all my threads of people like, oh, we're giving up draft position. We don't want to win. Bull spit. You always want to win, or at least I always want to win. I don't watch sports hoping teams lose. I loved every second of it. And one last one real quick here is I'm already up on it at 20 minutes. This is today's coolest thing. It's a fun mashup. Again, a little bit of language here. I didn't tell you before that, but a little more here too because, of course, it's Limp Biscuit. And it is a mashup with Last Christmas, today's coolest thing. So, uh, yeah, bad edit there, my bad. So, <laughs> Limp Biscuit mashed up with, I guess that's Wham's version of Last Christmas. This is the queen of all music in the world, Taylor Swift's version of Last Christmas, as I go to break here to open the show. Coming up next, I will start off with the latest at Fraser Avenue and how John John, the local transit and bike lane and urban planning city dork aficionado of the city, some of his audio that he has had on his socials, do that as quickly as possible and then look at the top stories from Chattanooga in 2023 coming up next. Back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com. Good evening, John John, District 9. I want to congratulate um, Vice Chair Jenny Hill, the Mayor, and the Public's Work Department in taking swift and decisive action to make something get done on Fraser Avenue. I am troubled, however, with the temporary nature and how they are only putting those measures into place for two days. We think it's a step in the right direction, but we think it's a step too short. We need to push for these to be permanent changes through the holiday weekends. We've kept a turning lane. We haven't taken the extreme measures we could have. In fact, our recommendation is to close the outside lanes. We're so grateful that something was worked on so hard and so long and got pushed through so quickly. However, it's not quite enough. Oh, when I was a kid, oh, how many Yep, a Pearl Jam Christmas song. He meant to say he wants the road closures to last throughout the uh, the holiday season, not the holiday weekends. He misspoke there. That's John John at the uh, city council meeting just uh, whatever it was, just a few days ago. End of last week, I guess it was. It was uh, going backwards uh, 35 years real quick. I think it was before high school. I was in like eighth grade. And we were able to bring in Christmas music to play for the for the class. 
and someone said, oh, I bet Brian's got a Pearl Jam Christmas song. Like, I guess trying to make fun of me. I don't really know. And I was like, you know what? God damn it, I do. I do. Problem is, it's on a vinyl. And it's not easy to get it on a cassette tape, but I think I can, and I'm going to get it to class. Now, the story would be better if I made it up and told you that that's what indeed happened, but I wasn't able to get the actual record to tape at that time. Let me sleep. It's Christmas time from Pearl Jam. All right. So um, as as long as this takes, we'll see. Um, I've got a, a handful from from Facebook of comments about this situation and then some from Reddit, which I'll read you. And I've got a few clips from John John's social medias, which I'll get to here in a minute. You know what? Actually, I'll get to that right now because it explains it a little bit better. This is from his national account TikTok and Instagram reels where he has hundreds of thousands of followers. He's not just talking to Chattanooga when he does these. And this is his latest video. It's only about 40 seconds and it kind of explains what has happened on Fraser the last couple weeks. New temporary traffic calming measures on Fraser Avenue here in Chattanooga are out and it's going to save lives. While imperfect, before I get to those issues, let me explain a little bit of what I see going on. Traffic has slowed down tremendously. And despite the poor weather, there's pedestrians out here in drove patronizing the nearby businesses. And while traffic in the eastbound direction does get backed up, it's not gridlocked. And what's most amazing about this is this happened relatively quickly. As our city hit a 200% increase in pedestrian deaths by July of this year, little to nothing was done. And it's tragic that a complete family had to be lost in order for something to be done. This now stands as an example that quick tactical changes can happen in order to save lives. This guy spends a lot of time and energy on his social media and good for him because he gets such a huge audience. Uh, This is one more I'll play at least, and then maybe a third one. This is 35 seconds. He continues on uh, his Instagram and Reels. The changes, however, leave a lot to be desired. First and foremost being that they're only putting this in place for two full days out of the week. They're only doing it on the weekends. Now, if this is truly slowing down traffic and saving people's lives and helping these businesses by bringing people on their with their wallets through the door, why not do it throughout the week? One message coming from the city is that they want to be able to study what's going on, but they're going to have incomplete data. First and foremost, weekend patterns are different than weekday patterns. But secondly, one of these weekends is a Christmas weekend. And as people shared their personal stories in city council this past week, multiple people said, I got hit on a weekday. And not everybody is agreeing with him on this one, as you might imagine. And and I'll get to that here in, in a minute. Uh, you know, are people were people actually in droves? Was uh, as far as the the pedestrian and actually shopping, were was the traffic really not that bad? The way he puts it, well, according to others, it absolutely was, and that's all debatable. The final one here, and I completely agree with him on uh, this one, talking about the configuration over the weekend doesn't work. Another problem with this plan is it does nothing to decrease the proximity between pedestrians and cars. They took out the middle lanes when it probably would have been much better for them to take out the outside lanes. They also closed down bus routes. And as I've been walking around, I've seen multiple people still riding their bikes on the sidewalk because they don't quite feel safe here. And while they're doing this, the middle lane is a complete waste of space. If the buffer was on the side, we could actually activate that space and use it for cyclists or other things as well. But as imperfect as this is, the quick action of the city shows that we can take more quick action. So I'm happy that he is uh, being very gracious about it, but still very clear that this is not what he's talking about. And and the, the closing off of the middle lane only was kind of silly, right? Like you weren't really doing it. You just wasted an entire lane. 
And to onlookers who don't know what's going on here, which is, oh, I don't know, just about everybody, they're like, what the hell is this? This doesn't make any sense. Screw this. I hate this idea. I don't like it. They're stuck in traffic. It's the holidays. I mean, of course, no one's going to be happy with this. So that wasn't done well by the city. They should block off the the outer lanes to basically an extension of the sidewalk. Now, all of this is just for a couple of weeks, and it's just in response. It's reactionary with the best intentions by the city, but more than anything, it's just to settle down the loud city council meetings, and they're not like South Park-style loud, but they're uh, 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 certainly louder than normal, and that would have been more beneficial for sure. The bottom line is, if you want to do something about this, you're going to have to do major construction projects, and that's not going to happen anytime soon and I think any data data they get from this you know we'll see what it actually means uh let's see some response here and then we'll move on to stories from the year Fraser Avenue with new traffic patterns in place two lanes of traffic it's a disaster I know changes were needed but I feel so bad for all the local shops and restaurants on Fraser if you would like to support the local shops and restaurants try to do it during the week when Fraser has is four lanes it's sad they decide to do this because of a drunk driver. Yes, slow the speed limit, but leave it at four lanes. What they need to do is stop letting people park on Frazier and leave it at four lanes. The parking is horrible and dangerous, which I agree with. They could even put in speed bumps if they wanted, but taking it down to two lanes is a horrible idea. It's already too congested at times. And typical knee-jerk reaction from the government. The congestion is overwhelming. This area in its current state was never intended to support this much traffic. Both those things can be true at once. This is from Reddit. And yes, I'm using counterpoint uh, examples. There's plenty of them that all say the regurgitated same thing over and over again. I'm giving you the other side, the people who think that this is nonsense. Or at least you know, not as, uh, let's just say, passionate about it. Getting rid of street parking on the south side of the road and expanding the sidewalk would be an easy first step. Goes on to talk about there's enough parking in the, in the Coolidge Park area and it's dangerous to have those park that parking, but leave the lanes the way they are. I think I mostly agree with that too. That parallel parking on Fraser is not necessarily a good idea. And you're only eliminating what? Like 10, 15, maybe 20 some odd spots. Yeah, that, that is where I'll give you it's okay to decrease a little of the parking because it's not that much and it's it's not that good of parking either. Uh, I can absolutely guarantee that anyone beginning a proposal by saying getting rid of parking will be shut down. Chattanoogans do not like to walk and complain about parking constantly. It's actually mind-blowing to me. Lots of counterpoints to all that. I agree with that 100%. If you lead with get rid of parking, I'm not going to listen most likely. Uh, let's see. It says, holy crap, Main Street is a piping hot mess. It's especially fun listening to fire trucks from Station 1, blah, 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 and it's just going on. North Market isn't much better thanks to the traffic pulling into Publix and Walgreens. It's almost as if building those wasn't the best of ideas. Very, very valid point. If you're going to put in massive national grocery chains and pharmacies like Walgreens and Publix right there in the middle of all this, well, then you need the infrastructure of the roads to get to these places. People are not going to Publix or even likely Walgreens 
on foot or on bike or so few that it doesn't matter. We have to be able to travel by car or I say we have to, but we want to. And it's the most efficient way to get to those points of interest, which are huge points of interest. Some more from Reddit. A good bit of the people are demanding this change that don't live in the area and they don't drive it daily. Another one says, I don't see very many people saying I work on Frazier or I live on Frazier in their comments. There are several demanding this change that have already stated they live in other areas of the town. Exactly. I also live right off this road and it would be a nightmare if it were taken down to two lanes, which would cause more cases of road rage. Go drive down Central Avenue about 745 in the morning. That's where they're reducing the lanes right now as a city uh, concept and idea. Between Main Street and Macaulay and let us know how smooth it's going. Parentheses hint, it's not. Now, they're still, to be fair, in the middle of construction of that right now. So to judge it at this point would be unfair. Bad joke here, but I thought it was worth repeating. Johnny's Ledge says, all of this, but also ban Floridians. I won't expand on that. Uh, let's see. John says, a different John says, we could just ban cars. That would solve the problem of drunk driving. And the final one, and we'll wrap this thing up. The traffic is probably still too high to reduce it to two lanes. In addition, there's not really anywhere else for the traffic to go. If they want to reduce the number of lanes, probably the only option would be to reduce the number of cars, which in this case would require a lot more people to start biking, walking, or using transit. But unfortunately, a lot of people just don't want to give up their huge-ass gas-guzzling pickup. And completely true on all accounts even the flippant nature at the end of it even if it's not the gas guzzling pickup truck guy or gal it's also there's a lot of residential around there a lot of freaking hills that nobody big steep hills You've seen forest look up it goes straight up nobody wants to bike that 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 area at least not most people and where's all this traffic going to go? It's going to flood into the neighborhoods. It's going to people are going to divert around by the school. Then you're going to have more traffic around North, Normal Park, and then all the Normal Park parents are going to be all pissed off because there's so many more cars, and all the kids, the kids, the children are going to be so in danger. And then we got a whole nother thing. I mean, every everything has consequences, cause and effect. And so you know, this is not a quick fix. And to John John's credit, he's got it out there, and we're talking about it. That's good. It ain't going to be fixed this month, and to do quickly throw up a bunch of cones in the middle of the road for no particular reason doesn't make anybody happy, except for, like, such a small percentage that it seems foolish to almost everybody else. And you ruin your cause the more you hammer down and double down and triple down on something that is generally looked at as quite unpopular. And that's all I'll have to say about that okay let's switch gears here to the top stories of 2023 here in chattanooga this one i didn't spend any time on here but a judge dismissed a case against a lady named angel bumpass who was sentenced to life in prison because of a murder that she was connected to when she was 13 years old now she wasn't sentenced until she was 24 so i don't remember the specifics on that but it was reversed she spent four years in jail and now out. And there's nothing that terrifies me more than being jailed as an innocent person, especially when the damn initial sentencing was for life. My goodness, how terrifying. 
Another one of the stories here I highlighted, the reworking of West Side and the Bend. Another thing I also didn't spend a lot of time on, the former Alstom Power Site, which is a perfect example of dumping tons of money from the state and incentives of taxes and everything else just for that to go out of business so damn quickly. That is a be careful what you wish for moment in, in, in economics and civil economics around a city, that's for sure. Uh, and what they're going to do with it, it looks awesome on a website. I, I, I don't have any more specifics on it this moment. Another top story, all this coming from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, Riverbend on hold. No, 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 no. Riverbend is done. That's what most all of us believe, and they have said hiatus. Of course, if you listen to this show, you already know that. The second phase of the split construction on the list of top stories, $161 million reconstruction project, as we all know, and I drive through it every single damn day, is completion is scheduled for late 2025. Oh, God. Two years of this. And you know, if they say late 25, that means more like early 26. Maybe by the time the Lookout Stadium gets built, we'll have a opened up 24-75 split for those going downtown, coming from the East Brainerd and northern areas of the city. Back in August, police shot Roger Hurd. I did spend some time on this at the Speedway Station on Holtzclaw. Certainly seems like another case of police officers certainly firing more often than it clearly seemed like it needed to be. It's hard to say what someone should do in any situation that's as hectic as, and, and chaotic as that. And I, I don't have those specific, specifics in front of me either, but he was shot in every imaginable place on his body. Why couldn't a couple of shots be good enough there, cops? I mean... Another case of, hey, maybe this bit, maybe this job is too big for police officers. I go back and forth on this all the time. Love them one minute, hate them the next. Um, I hate to say hate, but it's pretty close to true. Homicides in Chattanooga, and more specifically, the one that gripped everybody, and I'd be lying if I say it didn't kind of shiver me a little bit as well. Chris Wright, the 38-year-old businessman who is regularly referred to as prominent Chattanoogan, when I think that's code for middle-aged white guy with a good job. So that's kind of like most of us, the demographic of the show. Um, yeah, I don't think that guy's any more prominent than anybody else that I know. Uh, white, middle-aged guy with a good job. It was terrifying. Terrifying situation. You know, Tim Kelly, mayor in the city, responds immediately with picked up police presence in downtown. It's not going to fix a thing. That's not going to change anything. Uh, then pedestrian deaths is on the list here. 17 have been killed in Chattanooga. That's three times as many as last year. Of course, you, you already know all about that. The affordable housing crisis. And what does that even mean? It's kind of like talking gas prices, petroleum prices. With me. I, I, I don't even know what affordable housing or try to get more affordable housing even really means, and that's what I'd like to talk to Lee Brock about next week. Mayor Tim Kelly pr proposed the city's first ever housing action plan to bolster the area's dwindling affordable housing stock through policy changes and investments. This is something I have not spent any time on, and countless times I had a sheet ready to go, and I just didn't get to it. Homelessness. Tim Kelly's trying to do what Ron Littlefield started, in my opinion, 
I believe Tim's trying to do something similar, if not, and 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 build on it and make it better, concept conceptually anyway. What Ron Littlefield tried to do with the homeless shelter, homeless campus, homeless dwellings, whatever terminology you want to use. Nobody likes it because nobody wants to help the sick and the poor and the elderly, first of all, but they certainly don't want them near wherever their business or their home is, and understandably so. So it's kind of a it's a dicey one to talk about. And when Ron Littlefield was the mayor, he about got ran the hell out of town, like, you know, ran out with pitchforks over the homeless campus idea. And it, it sounds like there's a chance because this kind of similar thing could happen to Tim as well if he's not careful. Uh, parking in downtown Chattanooga is continuing to dwindle as a 20-story office building will be the tallest in the cent- in the central city in 50 years, and it's that parking lot right next to the the across from the library and adjacent corner caddy there a little bit I guess to Miller Park. Some of the best parking for nightfall will soon be gone. U.S. Express is sold earlier in the year for $808 million. The purchase followed U.S. Express layoffs of hundreds of employees and reporting significant financial losses. I've known people who have worked there. They were doing the trans, the uh, excuse me, the logistics thing long before it was really popular in this town. And I always heard it was an absolute nightmare of a place to work. Don't know that to be a fact, but I heard it more than a few times from people that I trust. And so I guess that's good. A Volkswagen, more than 500 additional workers in 2023, also with a pay increase of their assembly line of 11%. Just the other day, of course, an incredible game with Baylor and Macaulay and the huge turnout over 18,000 for the state championship that Macaulay won. Is that their fourth? I think it's their fourth in like eight years or seven years, whatever it is. Well, their head coach stepped down and they elevated somebody on the staff named Joel Bradford. And when I read that name, I thought, I know it. I think I know Joel Bradford. Don't I know Joel Bradford? No, I don't know Joel Bradford. He was a wideout for B.J. Coleman's Mox football teams around 2010, 2009, somewhere in that area. And he was a, a great receiver for the Mox. That's why... I knew his name. And the final one here to wrap up the second segment of the show. Plans underway for a new Lookout Stadium. Construction is scheduled to begin in the South Broad District in 2024. No, what the headline here should be, current City Mayor Tim Kelly and former then outgoing County Mayor Jim Coppinger look foolish with bad deal that started in late 2022, which is now moved even testing the site to even start considering building and even beginning to get into the bond market well, well, well over a year, probably closer to a year and a half before there's even a budge on that. I'm a big Tim Kelly guy, and I like Jim Coppinger as mayor as well. I only met him, was around him a few times. I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I'm just saying you can't look at this and say anything other than it's been a disaster. And Weston Womp was right. You won't hear that often on this show very often, but he was absolutely correct. Long term, do I think this is still great and good? Does it enrich my life? Is it good for me? Yes, absolutely. And let's get it done, right? Figure it out and let's get it done. But to call this anything other than a disaster is not 
being truthful with this situation. And there's your top stories from 2023. I will have some comments on Frank Wycheck, who passed away, who lived here in Chattanooga. Former Tennessee Titan and Titans radio uh, great fan favorite. And then just the last of the stack of stuff of stories and commentary and thoughts for the final segment of the final podcast that I will be doing this year solo anyway. I'll get to that coming up next. For me, it was Steve McNair, Eddie George, and Frank Wycheck. Like those are my three guys growing up watching the Titans play. And for people who don't remember, you know, back then you're talking, you know, Tony Gonzalez and you know Antonio Gates was just kind of starting to become a great player. But I mean, he, you know, he was right there with with anyone, you know, for for a stretch. You think about seven straight years played every game in a season. Yeah, you know, seven straight years, ninety-five to one, played all, played every game, and he's still third in this franchise in, in receptions. I mean, Ernest Givens and Haywood, Haywood Jeffries can go back to the run and shoot and Warren Moon and Wycheck is third behind those two guys with 482 catches. So he's a great player, great ambassador, and I just know that 52 years old is way too early. This is Soup John Stevens. My favorite... Christmas song. It's really not about Christmas. Fabulous song from a fabulous songwriter. Super pretentious, you know, just insufferable type. I bet if I met him, I'd want to punch him in the face. Um, But he is, yeah, he kind of is what he thinks he is. And, uh, only a select few are going to be familiar even with the name, and I won't bore you any more than that. But Christmas time in the room from Soup John Stevens. So I got a call today from somebody, one of my friends, longtime friends, forever friend. I mean, just a great guy. Quit drinking this year also. Even told me that I was inspiration to him. And I, you know, I... That certainly means a lot to me. And I, he mean, he meant it. He wouldn't say something like that if he didn't mean it. <laughs> but he doesn't tune in. He, he he won't text me. I gave him shit. I was like, dude, why do you keep calling me? Like, I'm not going to just answer the phone. And just, he's like, I hate texting. I want to hear your voice. Old school guy. Old school guy. So he doesn't download podcasts. He doesn't listen to this kind of stuff. Um, and, and how I know even more, though, than the fact that I already do know, is that nobody... Or, or there's no way to expose yourself as a guaranteed never listener than to ask me or anybody else who does it, content like this. Hey, so you still doing your podcast? You still doing your show? Well, hey, you've proven you clearly never listen and you have no intentions on it. So why are you asking me? Yes, I still do it. And clearly it's for not in your world. <laughs> I'm making a joke, but I am totally serious. I, and nobody thinks of this. And they don't, it's one of those, I don't want to call it rude because I don't care, but it's kind of being rude without 
meaning to, like totally innocently being like, you're still doing the podcast over there? Um, Yeah, bro. Yeah, I am. So I don't think you could have asked anybody in this town who had any under, you know, any connections whatsoever and had any knowledge that Frank Wycheck, former Titan and radio and Nash radio host in Nashville, who passed away on Sunday, had any idea that he lived in this city of Chattanooga. I didn't know. And anybody else I've talked to who has connections around here had no idea either. And maybe that's exactly how Frank wanted it. He got out of radio about five, six years ago when he was like uh, 40, like five. You know, that's pretty early to retire. He didn't make crazy money, you know, in the world of $700 million contracts and $200 million contracts and $500 million contracts or even $20 million contracts. He he didn't live in that world. You know, I'm sure if he did well with his money at all, then he's fine. But he's not, you know, set forever generationally two or three generations down the road. And you would think a guy like him, knowing him from radio and interviews when he wasn't a host or what he was, the guy clearly enjoyed doing, you know, work out in public life. And CTE, brain damage, and a lot of mental uh, health really has uh, diminished his his quality of life towards the, the last 10 years of it or so. And anybody who paid attention at all knew. This uh, piece from the Tennessean talks about the history of the Houston Oilers and their uh, many stars and uh, borderline legends. It says, we, we don't li- live that. Can't claim it. In Nashville, we claim Eddie George, the late Steve McNair, Jeff Fisher, and Frank Wycheck. It was a bitterly sad ending. Wycheck wasn't just a good football player. He meant more than that in Nashville, where he was a celebrity and a radio voice for years. Those were, in fact, the good old days for the Titans. Sunday's sadness was a reminder that even after 24 seasons carrying the Titans' name, this franchise's best days in Nashville continue to be its introductory days in Nashville. Those were special days and special Titans teams because they won, sure, but also because of the people involved, the players that ingrained themselves into Nashville's community. Wycheck played in 16 regular season games for seven consecutive years. That's in, that's insanity to, to not miss a game in seven years in the NFL. That's a lot of hits and punishment. His family said Sunday that it plans to work with experts on ongoing brain injury and CTE research. Retired at the age of 32, now I'm just skimming through it, he said he was sure that he had CTE as a result of his football career and he had been dealing with migraines and depression. However, Wycheck also told ESPN that I wouldn't change anything in the world. Wycheck didn't want to be a pity party, so this shouldn't be one today. There's too much great Titans nostalgia that still doesn't feel like it was all that long ago. And, yeah, George, Eddie George, Steve McNair, Frank Wycheck, those are my guys. And those were everybody's guys of a certain age of sports fans in the Mid-South 23 years ago. And uh, 52 years old. Totally sucks. So, uh, again, this will be all over the place here. I printed this off. Um, the the answer to the question, why did you decide to stop drinking? It took me a while to re- remember what the answer actually was. And it was when I went to see a nurse practitioner back in 22 because my blood pressure was spiking so hard and I was taking a lot of blood pressure medication and I was, I just was feeling terrible. 
I had so many health issues. Um, it just things it, nobody knew about because I didn't talk about him, didn't tell anybody. And they rushed me in to see this nurse, nurse practitioner, and she was really straightforward with me. And it was uh, it was a the the only wake up call that I've gotten that I listened to. I would say this would be oh no, this was yeah, this was late twenty two. I think it was in September, maybe. I don't know. It was in the last quarter of the year anyway. And so I went to the doctor last week and got another checkup. I've been there four times this year. Like, vitals are still great. Everything's still going good. Um, I'm, I'm solid. And at my age, that is shocking and wonderful and makes me very happy. But on this day, nothing was going well. And so I went back through my history, and I pulled up the notes she made the day I came in, and we'll call it September of 22. And it says, high blood pressure, even with meds. Patient presents today for follow-up for his blood pressure. He has a log that he has kept with the highest at 169 over 105 and the lowest 129 over 84. And it goes on with some numbers and blah, blah, blah. He does admit to very poor appetite, eating increased amounts of sodium. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Very poor appetite. I'm guessing she means diet. I didn't have a poor appetite. And I didn't have an excessively poor appetite either. I'm not sure where that comes from. It says, just the way it's worded is just funny to me. He denies any physical activity. No, I don't deny like I don't need to do it. I just haven't done it. Again, it's words, semantics. And also admits to alcoholism, typically drinking five to six mixed drinks a day. And that was on the low end. I was, <laughs> I was trying to be honest by also shooting low. Uh, He also reports using alcohol to help him sleep at night. He has not had labs drawn since April when he normally gets his physical, has not had an updated EKG. He admits that he would, here's the last thing, this is what made me want to print it off. He admits that he would not even consider making changes in lifestyle until after the new year. He does have additional stress and takes PRN Klonopin. He admits that he would not even consider making changes in lifestyle. It's just worded like, like what an asshole this guy is. <laughs> he won't even consider it. Like, bitch, it was almost the end of the year. <laughs> I was, I, I, I had a plan. I actually went through with it. Um, so, you know, I guess, I guess I see, but it was just worded strangely. Uh, this is from Morning Brew. Amer- more American couples are going child-free, opting for the double-income no-kids and this is a, hash, a hashtag that's taken off on TikTok and, and Instagram Reels likely as well, maybe Twitter uh, and other socials. The Dink Lifestyle, D-I-N-K, hashtag Dink Lifestyle. U.S. birth rates took a steep dip during the Great Recession and have fallen since. 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49 said they were unlikely to have children as of October of 2021. Now, here's the ridiculousness of this. Why else might, and it goes through some stuff, goes some numbers. Why else might couples forego the wonders of rearing children, question mark? Experts blame economic uncertainty. Okay, fine. Lack of paid maternity leave. Sure. The punishing cost of childcare. No doubt. And climate anxiety. Tell me you have an ultra- liberal who can't keep it out of their writings in morning brews updates 
without telling me whatever it is I just said there. Give me an effing break. Very valid reasons. Economic uncertainty, lack of paid maternal leave, the punishing costs of child care, and climate anxiety? Uh, honey, I was hoping we could maybe get pregnant this weekend like we've been talking about. Um, no, dear, no, no, no. Climate change has me terrified of rearing children, bringing offspring into this nightmarish hellscape that is the climate catastrophe. Stop. Enough. Go go away. Get on out of here. Walk on out the door. Don't even worry about closing the door. I got it behind you. No problem. Just just hop out. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're not going to have children because we're so worried about the climate. Could also be millennial mom dread, a cultural phenomenon Vox recently described as a mix of conflicting social pressures and overwhelming expectations that might that excuse me, that makes modern motherhood seem less attractive or achievable. Okay, that's fine too. Uh, let, da, 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 let's see. Uh, child gun injuries in city nearly tripled. That's a fun uh, headline. I won't even go into it any further than that. Uh, the Grammys are out, of course, Taylor Swift, the Grammy nominations. Taylor Swift is on it uh, several times. I'm sure she'll take most of those. But just a couple notables. Best new artist, all right? Jelly Roll. Okay, I know who Jelly Roll is, and he talked about that at his acceptance speech at the CMT about, I'm a 39-year-old man being best new artist. This is great. This is awesome. You can do anything in life, whatever it was. I got that. Noah Khan, uh, new artist, I guess. Pretty new to me in the last couple of years. Not really sure what that means exactly. But what I can tell you unequivocally without any having to fact check, also on the list for best new artist for the Grammys that will be in February of next year, the war and treaty. Listen, bro, there ain't nothing new about the war and treaty. We've been seeing the war and treaty in this town for years. I have interviewed the war and treaty. I have seen them countless times. Their story has been told countless times. It's a fascinating, wonderful story for well over a decade. There ain't nothing new about the war and treaty. And then just showing you that rock is dead Every time that there is a Grammys nomination and the Foo Fighters have a new album, it's always nominated for Best Rock Performance and for Best Rock Album, and they haven't put out a Grammy Award-winning worthy record in probably over 10 years. It was probably 2011, the last time, Wasting Light, which was a fabulous from start to finish, that they put out an album that I thought should be considered as best rock album and you know why they're always nominated because there ain't nothing to choose from also on the list metallica Do you even know metallica had new music and i'm sure it sucks paramore probably the most likely it should win because paramore is hot 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 right now Haley williams herself the lead singer and the band themselves queens of the stone age didn't know they had new music could be a a, a legitimate nomination and then Greta Van Fleet. Get out of here. If you want me to give the Grammys any credibility whatsoever, you're not putting Greta Van Fleet, the biggest farce, the biggest frauds, the biggest fake band, rock band that's it, it, this century. They should be ashamed of themselves. They're, they're a disgusting, 
travesty of a, of a rock act and a complete farce. Go away. Get out of here. And uh, PJ Harvey. Remember her from the 90s? Has new music. Best alternative album. Hopefully she wins. And a couple more real quick. Spotify to cut 1,500 jobs after spending. Uh, I was going to spend some time on that, but I won't. And here's what I'll finish the show up with. I've had this one sitting around for a while. No telling how long. There's no date on it. From McSweeney's.net. What your favorite 90s rock band says about the type of bored suburban dad you are today. And this is just clearly having some fun. But I've, I've had it sitting here on the stack for maybe upwards of six months. Bare Naked Ladies, you like craft beer. Sleater Kenny, and this makes this is so perfect because you probably don't know who Sleater Kenny is. Um, you like craft beer and claim you were into it before it came such a thing. Sleater Kenny, uh, I won't even begin to try to explain who they are. That's that's perfect. Oasis. You quiz your family during holidays about the shitty craft beer podcast you do with your high school friend TJ to see if they actually listen. You think they ask the Oasis fan, hey, you still do that podcast? I only picked out the bands I really liked. I put a star by this because I don't really like Sublime. But if you listen to Sublime, your favorite 90s rock band, and what type of bored suburban dad you are today... You continue to quote Fight Club long after everyone else has grown out of it. That's that's good. Silver Chair, you accidentally leave out the Windex after cleaning so everyone knows you did a chore. I don't know what that even means. Only four left here and we'll be done. Pearl Jam, my beloved Pearl Jam. You put political signs in your yard, less out of conviction and more in the hopes of starting fights with your neighbors and breaking the cruel monotony of your pleasant existence. Yes! Yes! Oh, that's so true with me so long ago. I remember I kept having my Obama sign being stolen out front, out front of the house in 2007, and i just keep putting them back up, and they'd get stolen, and I'd put them back up. And at that time, it was actually because of a conviction, uh, but also with hopes of starting fights with the neighbors. I don't participate in any of that madness anymore. Uh, Limp Biscuit, another star here because I don't like him, but the the amazing rebirth of Limp Biscuit is uh, is really something to behold, and that whole era really, which I could spend a a, a segment on a podcast talking about. Uh, your Twitter avatar is a picture of you hugging your adorable toddler daughter. You also send unsolicited dick pics to every young woman who likes one of your tweets. Oh, that's good. Uh, the Lemonheads. I do uh, love the Lemonheads. You spend an average of 14.5 hours on the golf course each week. Not because you love golf, but because you really can't stand spending time with your family. And the final one here, 90s band and how it translates into your boring suburban dad life. You love craft beer, but pretend not to because you can't bear the thought of being like all the other bored suburban dads. And that is all I've got for you today. One more show next week. Lee Brock will join the show. We'll talk for two-thirds of it. And in the open, I'll explain some things and some thoughts into the new year and put a wraps on what has been a very successful 2023 for me all the way around. 
And if you do check out and you don't come back next week because you don't care about an interview with somebody you don't know who it is, I understand that. And I will thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh, being here as often as you are. Couldn't do it without you. All the cliched nonsense, it's all true. And uh, thank you very much. For those of you that do show up next week to listen, uh, I appreciate it. And you won't have to ask me whether I'm still doing that little podcast thing over there. As I'll have Lee Brock on, which I have already clearly uh, discussed earlier in the show. Have a great Wednesday and weekend and holiday. Love you. Mean it. See you later. Bye. Christmas.